The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Good morning, all the CBC Mokopane members and all those others who are joining us for this service in a very strange and difficult time in all of our lives. Um, we are locked down. We cannot meet together. But still the word of God will go out and God will be glorified. Nothing can stop that. Now, after last week's farewell sermon and uh, everything that the church of CBC Mokopane has given us as a go away, we are thrilled. And in a way, we feel like, oh, there goes our, there goes our heavenly reward. Because so many kind things have been said to us. And uh, we appreciate that. We thank you for the time that we could serve you. And we thank you for the relationships that had been built over the last five years here in Mokopane and elsewhere. To Rian myself, this was a very exciting time in our lives because we were given the opportunity to plant the church for the glory of God. And we do not want this to be seen as this was our last work because we are still going forward. And we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you for, for everyone who supported us over the years here in Mokopane and also in Polokwane. Dear Christians whom we love very much and whom we are now going to leave behind as we are moving on our missionary journey, as it were, or our pilgrimage journey here on earth. We are moving on to Leidenburg, um, and we are looking forward to serve God's purposes in our generation and to see how he will close the chapter for us in the years to come. So therefore, I want to ask the question, how can I encourage you as believers in Jesus Christ? How can we build into your life? Um, just to, uh, as a last resort, just to say, Lord, thank you for, for giving us this opportunity to once again build into the lives of the people whom you have called us to serve. And the only thing that we could think of was to say to you, let's keep our eyes fixed and focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't think of anything better to leave you with than to tell you to look at the words of the writer to the Hebrews. And if you want to follow with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to read a few verses with you there, only verses 1 and 2, that is what I would like to leave you with. 
Now, the author of this book says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, in chapter 12 of Hebrews, the writer focuses our attention on the greatest example of all times, because you will remember he had just finished chapter 11, and he had focused their, their, their attention on all those big names, men and women who made their presence felt in the generations that they lived. But now he comes to the climax of what he had written to them. Throughout this book, he had kept their eyes fixed on the supremacy of Jesus. And this is because this book is about the supremacy of Christ. And now he returns from the lives of Old Testament heroes to the sufferings and the perfect work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus warned his disciples many a time, especially in, in Matthew 24, verse 9, also in John 16, that some of them would be delivered into tribulation. They will be put to death. They would be hated by all nations for his namesake. Persecution would come to them, and not, not only by political leaders, but also by rebellious leaders. He told them that they would be excluded from synagogues, and anyone who killed them would think that they would do God a favor. And the writer now compares our life here on earth to a race that must be run with perseverance. And this was something that the Apostle Paul frequently used in his letters. He depicts the Christian life as an athlete, someone who is self-disciplined, someone who concentrates hard as he strives to gain an everlasting crown of glory. He movingly wrote about his own struggles in life. I would like to just point out a number of these passages that the apostle, in which the Apostle Paul shares with the church. The one is in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. Now, the Apostle Paul knew what hardship was. He knew how to run the race that was marked out before him. Listen to what he is saying. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So what he is saying, even in Galatians chapter 2 and in Philippians 1, he writes about his own struggles in his own life in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. He shares of 
of how everyone has deserted him. And the Apostle Paul says, For I am already poured out like a drink offering, and the, and the time has come for my departure. He then adds, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who longed for his appearing. But if you read chapter 11 in this book of Hebrews, we need to ask the question, where does chapter 11 leave us? Or if we ask it differently, what is the application of chapter 11? If we look at all the long, or if we look at all those uh, names in chapter 11, by faith this one, by faith that one, where does it leave us? And what is the application? It is found right here in chapter 12. That's where the application is. And the writer urges us with three distinct actions that you and I must take in running this race or to complete the race that God is marking out for us. Number one, he says, we are to run the race with perseverance. Secondly, we are to throw off everything that hinders. And thirdly, we are to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, this is the only thing that, that I believe that I must leave with you for the future. Because our leaving this area might seem like it is permanent, but we are not permanently gone. We can still meet each other. We can still see, visit, um, have fellowship together. But what must I leave you with? I need to leave you with the application of Hebrews 11. And that name is the name above all names. The God who alone dwells in light, inaccessible. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he is saying to you and me, run the race with perseverance. Now look there in verse 1, if you follow the sermon with me. Now, although we are going to look at each of them separately, these three um, distinct actions, they are actually one. You, you cannot run without looking to Jesus, because you can't run and look on the ground, you will fall. Uh, you can't run in a race by looking to your left or to your right or looking over your shoulder who is coming or what is coming. You can only run this race by looking on the end line, the finishing line. You cannot run the Christian life without your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer picture, pictures himself and his readers as, as competitors. 
they are contending for the faith in the arena of life. And, and he challenges them to see themselves as part of the great host called to live by faith. They are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Listen to the wording that he's using there. A great cloud of witnesses. They are surrounded on all sides. And the writer had probably in mind the Greek uh, foot race, as they called it. It was a test of fitness and, and endurance. It was one of the five contests of the pentathlon in the great Pan-Hellenic Games and always came first. It was the first item. And at the Olympic Games, the foot race was the only contest that lasted for an extended period of time. And what he is saying here is, he says, this race is marked out before us. You know, brother and sister, if you read through the Bible, that what is meant here by the statement of the apostle is that God, by his grace, called you and me to participate in this race. We are not spectators. We do this for his own glory, not for ourselves. Romans 1.6 says, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. In other words, what you do is for him. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now look what he's done, what he's doing. He's, he's talking about the witnesses. A great cloud of witnesses. Now, the witnesses he refers to here are those who populate the arena. But they are not observing us from afar. The text refers to them as witnesses. The Greek word witnesses, martus, they bear witness to the Christian community of God's faithfulness and the effectiveness of that complete work of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And God has given witness to them. He commended them. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 11, verse 2. In verse 2, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. Isn't that wonderful? Look at verse 39 of that chapter. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Isn't that marvelous? They, as witnesses or examples, bear witness to him before successive generations. Every upcoming generation experience their witness. They tell us 
Listen, the work that Christ has done on the cross, that is the motivation for you to follow Jesus. Throughout history, to stay the course of commitment to Christ, never to give up. One commentator, F.F. Bruce, says, it is not so much they who look at us as we who look to them for encouragement. Because if I look back and I see these names, then I feel compelled to, to carry on. Especially when it comes to people like Manasseh and, and Old Testament characters who sinned so grossly, and yet God repented them. And then they served as living examples of God's grace. So Paul is explaining in Philippians 3.12, our obligation in this race. He says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now look what the author is saying here. Run, therefore, with perseverance. Keep going. For the prize we seek is, is not a gold medal. It is the everlasting glory of the redeemed. And they are millions upon millions upon millions. But some people might argue that Christ had already won that glory for the elect. Yet only if we run... We shall attain that, of course. Listen to Paul in Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. The brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And do you see that Paul never give us the intention that he has read a state of perfect holiness? No. He says, I have been laid hold of by Christ. Christ took me. He repented me. He saved me. He gave me eternal life. I have not yet received it. I, yet I did, but I carry on because I want to be in the real place. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, Paul explains it as follows. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. Neither Paul nor the writer of the Hebrews is teaching salvation here through self-effort. It's not of ourselves. 
what they are saying to us, to you and me today, is that saving faith is demonstrated. It is recognized and it is vindicated by perseverance. I hope you realize this. God in Christ Jesus demonstrated that. We recognize that. And we are vindicated by perseverance. It is a steady determination to keep going. It means to continue even when everything in you cries out not to. These Hebrew Christians have started well. In, in chapter 2 and verse 4, if you can just turn in your Bibles there with me, then you will understand what the writer to the Hebrews is saying to them and to us. In verse 4 he says, While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. But as the new began to wear off, you, you know what he was talking, what he was referring to. I mean, the Israelites in their stay in Egypt, on that night when the firstborn died, not one of them suffered death. Not one of them through the other plagues suffered humiliation. They experienced the miraculous escape through the Red Sea. But as the new began to wear off and problems came their way, they began to lose their enthusiasm. They, lo they lost their confidence and they started looking back at their old ways. Oh, it was nice in Egypt with the pots of meat and everything that was so in ample supply. My brother and sister, I want to say this to you. You cannot afford to give in. If persecution comes, and believe me, it is on its way. You and I will have to keep that desire to persevere, to win. Because a lack of desire in the Christian life is unacceptable, brother and sister. Because the, the race, the Christian race, is, is not a race to outdo my fellow Christian in works of righteousness. It, it is a race of faith. It is to outdo Satan and all his dirty tricks. It is to outdo this worldly system and all our own sinfulness. And God has given us everything that we need to compete uh, in this race and to complete this race of faith. Think about the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, that glorious chapter in which he tells us to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand. And if you look at that, the helmet of salvation has nothing to do with us. It is something achieved by Christ, the breastplate of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes to give us the ability to run the race. That is the gospel 
in ample supply, the only two things that he gave us to attack is his word and prayer. And these two come into power through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without whom we will never make it. That brings us to the second thing that the Apostle Paul wants to share with us. Sorry, not Paul, but the writer to the Hebrews. I'm sure one day we will find out whether Paul wrote this letter or not. But who cares? Point number two is we are to throw off everything that hinders. Still in verse one. No one enters in a race with a pair of long pants, a jacket, and a tie. No. He strips off everything to the minimum that might hinder him or her in, in the competition. What he's referring to here is everything that is excessive. And he's using a very interesting word, onkos, weights. And, and that word means a bulk or a mass of something. It might not be bad in itself. It could be harmless, but it will weigh you down. It could divert your attention or it could sap your energy. It could even dampen your enthusiasm for the things of God. And all these things are to be thrown off. Get rid of it. Brother and sister, get rid of everything that can hinder you from focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people desire to be rich. And there is nothing wrong in being rich. Abraham was a very rich man. So was David, so was Solomon, and so were many of the Old Testament saints. But if the riches weigh you down, then make a plan. Some want to be popular. But my brother and sister, if popularity becomes more important than following Christ, get rid of your popularity. And by that I don't mean... Act stupid so that the world reject you because of your stupidity. No. But don't build your life around popular, being popular. The Bible says desire peace. Now, peace is not sinful. But to seek peace at any price and thereby denying Christ is a weight no Christian should carry. There is nothing wrong in being ambitious in life. But if your ambition distracts you from following the Lord Jesus Christ, then you and I are in danger. And the problem the, the writer had with these people, uh, the, the Hebrew people that he was writing to, is that they set out in this race very well. Look with me in chapter 10, verse 32 to uh, 34. The writer very clearly gives us an indication here. For you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Since you knew that yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Isn't that marvelous? 
But what he picked up from them is now that they were slackening in their will to persevere. Their effort is decreasing. That we picked up already in chapter 2, verse 1. In chapter 3, verse 17 to 4, verse 1, we notice that sin is holding them back. And they need to recover their intensity of purpose. And that is what he wrote to them in chapter 4, verse 11. If you can turn your pages quickly with me there. In chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. In other words, they have to shake off their sluggish mood into which they have fallen. They must regain their confidence. And that is what he writes to them in chapter 10, verse 35, and also in verse 39. And they must get their competitive spirit back. Look there in chapter 12 and verse 12. I want to read that with you. Chapter 12. Verse 12, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. So the sin that so easily entangles us, he refers to that. Now, the use of the definite article in this um, passage, in this particular passage, refers obviously to a particular sin. And if there is one particular thing that really hinders you, my brother and sister, you need to get rid of that. It could be unbelief. You could perhaps challenge God or you could perhaps question God, meaning you start doubting God. And doubting God may tie your feet in such a way that you would not be able to run. So get rid of whatever sin entangles you. Get rid of it. I don't know what the sin issue is that you struggle with. But what I do know is that whatever it is, it can harm you severely. Now, the third thing we need to look at is we are to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And there is a good reason why the author urges us to look to Jesus. He brings Christ to us. And listen to this, as the author and perfecter of our faith. That means he brings Christ to us as the one from which our salvation has originated from. And he adds, and as the one who is able to declare us perfect in the sight of God, so that... God will accept us 
on the basis of what his son has achieved and completed. So Jesus is the divine craftsman who originates and shapes our faith and he brings it to perfection. His work on the cross is of such nature that he brings you and me out of death into newness of life and he presents us to God the Father and God the Father sees what his son has achieved with dead people and he accepts that. So the focus is here then on the personal faith of the individual believer. And for that reason, then, we are to look to Jesus because the writer speaks to every individual believer. He says, look, therefore, to Christ. You are to look to Jesus because he will supply to you all the necessities of running this race here on earth. In fact, he had done that. And that is why Paul writes to us in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, that it is by grace that we are saved, through faith, that not of ourselves, because it is the gift of God. In other words, it means that Christ alone can perfect our faith. And only Christ brings the desired outcome of your faith. As you look to him. Do you understand why you cannot for one moment. Move your focus. I remember when I grew up on the farm. When you reach the age of about 12 or 13. My dad allowed us to use the tractor to plow. And he taught us, when you plow the land, you aim for a specific metal pole, a Y standard as we call it today, on the other side of the field. And you keep the nose of the tractor straight on that line. You don't look back. You keep your eyes fixed on that metal pole. And when you reach the other side, you lift up the plow out of the ground and you look back and it is a straight furrow that you have plowed. You see, where one looks is very important. Some of us are too preoccupied with ourselves. We put too much attention on what we must do. We put too much attention on the mechanics of following Christ. Now, there is a place for that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. You must read your Bible. You must pray. You must go to church. You must attend the prayer meetings, etc. all those things. There's a place of that. But the main focus must be the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I pray? To meet with Christ. Why do I go to worship on a Sunday? To meet my Savior and to bring honor and glory to him. Why do I share what I have with others? 
because I want to bring honor and glory to his name. Why do I work to glorify God? Why do I enjoy my work? Because I glorify God in that. I do whatever I do for the sake of Christ. You see, sometimes we are preoccupied with what other Christians are thinking and doing, especially when it has to do with us. Of course, we need to be concerned about others. Absolutely. But I'm concerned about others for the sake of Christ. What they think about us and, and even their criticism to us might be helpful. But if we focus on them, we are bound to stumble. The Bible does not even tell us to focus on them. We are bound to stumble. But the Bible tells us that we need to focus on Jesus. The Bible does not even tell us to focus on the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. And, and then we will focus on Jesus Christ as that is what he came for. Now, the heroes of Hebrews 11 endured hardship. They, even they have even been despised by this world. This world mocked them and their faith because they were Christians. They did it with Jesus. But in faith, Jesus endured the cross and despising its shame. Why should we not also trust God in everything since we have not begun to suffer what Christ had suffered. Jesus also ran his race for what was at the end of it. He ran for two things, the joy set before him and sitting down at the right hand of the Father. What was that joy? The joy of doing what his Father desired him to do. The joy of a shepherd taking care of his flock. The joy of a warrior over his conquest. The joy of a king over his kingdom that he is busy establishing. The joy of a father over his children. The joy of a bridegroom over his bride. Paul said in Ephesians 1 verse 8, that it is the glorious riches of Christ inheritance in the saints. Can you just imagine that? That is the joy of the Lord. You see, brother and sister, the prize Christians are to run for is not heaven. Heaven is already yours. It belongs to you and me who have put our trust completely in Christ. We run for exalting God's supremacy in all we do, in all we say, in all we think. Paul referred to the church of Philippi as the joy and crown of his work. Now, Jesus died by the lowest form of capital punishment, the death on the cross. It was deserved. Uh, sorry, it was reserved for slaves and, and criminals. It involved both torture and, and public humiliation. It involved rejection. On that cross, Jesus was treated as valueless. Uh, they mocked him. They ridiculed him. 
He was scorned and he was shamed. But look what he did. He turned that experience inside out. He scorned the scorn. They carefully took the cross that could not weigh up against the joy that was set before him. And the end result of the cross was the glory of his father. Christian, I want to urge you to look beyond your difficulties to God's promised rewards. In conclusion, I want to say to you, by implication, the writer of the Hebrews holds out to his readers this amazing prospect that the saved will share Christ's glory as his eternal bride. And look how John puts it in Revelation 21 verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain, great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. But they will only do so if they prove they are truly his. You and I, the same. How do we prove that? By our joyful loyalty. By our constant persevering. In committing ourselves to look to no one else and no place other than the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why I want to say to you who remain behind now and as we move on to Leidenburg, run this earthly race with perseverance. Throw off everything that hinders you and keep your focus on one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. We praise you for the brilliance of your endurance. For Christ Jesus, who is our author and perfecter. I pray that you take my brothers and sisters and mold them into the image and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ for your glorious purposes. Amen.